Hi, and welcome to episode 7 of the PCS Digital Learning Podcast. In this episode, we'll be highlighting the use of technology in education through a lens of equity. To help me do that, I have two members of the Pinellas County School System's Equity Department, and they are Kimberly Skukalik. Hello. And Renee Kaplinger Ford. Hi, James. Thanks for having us. Thank you all for being here. And so in this episode, again, it's about equity. And um, before we get into that, I want you guys to just provide the listeners with a little bit of background information about yourself. I'm Renee Kaplinger Ford. I uh, have been in Pinellas County Schools for 16 years. I was a teacher of math and AVID elective. Um, I was the AVID district director, and currently I am the professional development coordinator for equity. And uh, I uh, I really feel impassioned about uh, making sure that our kids not only um, have that uh, opportunity, but that they, they, they succeed in that uh, particular uh, venture. Thank you, Renee. I'm Kimberly Skukulek, um, and I formally taught at the elementary level, primarily kindergarten, which I love, by the way. Um, and you'll see when we talk today, I'll, I'll share some of those experiences as well. Um, but now I'm an instructional staff developer for equity and culturally relevant teaching. Um, and a big part of my job is going into classrooms and still spending time with students. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back into those classrooms next year. For sure. Thanks, Kimberly. Again, thank you, ladies, for being here. Now, there's a lot of discussion in education and society as a whole surrounding the concept of equity. I was wondering for our listeners, can you explain the concept of equity? And then how is that different than the fight for equality? That's an important distinction. So um, in Pinellas County Schools, all of our teachers uh, are attending culturally relevant teaching. It's a training. And in that training, uh, we talk about this specific uh, difference between equity and equality. And we talk about how, you know, we used to think, you know, every we were doing the right thing if everybody got the same thing. If everybody was getting the same thing in our classroom or the same thing in our um, different, uh, you know, particular environment that we were doing the right thing. But as we have moved forward, we recognize that that is not necessarily meeting the needs of all of our kids. And equity is more about meeting those needs. Yeah. If you think about it in terms of of plants in your garden, right? Um, Your cactus doesn't need water every single day. It'll die, actually, if it has water every single day, right? But your tomato plant, on the other hand, needs that water in order to thrive and produce. And even if you transplant um, something into another pot or into another area, its leaves will start to fall off. But if you provide it with what it needs, some fertilizer, some water in that moment in time, then it'll come back. Now, once it comes back, you don't need to give it as much water. It no longer has that need. It's growing. It's thriving. And so I love that that concept of, of what do our plants need, thinking about our students. Each student is different, just like all of our plants are different. And, you know, that's a elementary level, but I think it really um, solidifies that that concept of need versus everything the same. So it really requires us as teachers to know our students. Absolutely. Relationships. Mm. 
Wow, that's a great analogy. I never thought of equity as the garden and the the cactus and the tomato plants needing different amounts of water for both of them to still thrive and and be successful. Mm -hmm. And sunlight too, right? Mm -hmm. And minerals and all of that. There's a lot that goes into it. Okay. So since this is the Digital Learning Podcast, we're going to sort of see how technology ties into that. And so if you listen... Uh, to society, especially when we think about here we are in the 21st century and it's, you know, the digital age and most of our students are what we call digital natives. Um, At least in the U.S., everyone is quote-unquote connected, but is that what you're seeing in education as far as technology? Well, I think it's really important, you know, we, we, you, like you said, we talk about our kids today as digital natives. So what does that mean? Does that really mean that they all have the ability to interact with our technology successfully? Or does that mean that they all have cell phones? And just because they have a cell phone and they're able to interact on their cell phone, does that mean that they're able to interact with laptops and all the different platforms on those laptops? This is where assumptions can be really dangerous. Assumptions about access right now, right? Yeah. You know, we think that our kids, um, because they have a cell phone, that they can easily, you know, transfer those skills to research and Mm -hmm. and transfer those skills to using a mouse. Like you saw that in kindergarten. Yeah, absolutely. When we um, went to our, our testing um, on the computer, uh, one of my little girls, you know, I've seen her with her mom's cell phone during meet and greet and stuff. And like you said, digital natives, whatnot. Um, but as soon as it came time to take that test and manipulate that that mouse, you suddenly have this five-year-old who is ridden with anxiety because she doesn't even know what a mouse is, right? She's thinking of an animal um, and you show it to her, but then to grab that mouse and to manipulate it so that the pointer on the screen is going to something very specific um, so that she can click her answer. That's a completely different skill than being able to play a game on your phone. Well, can I ask, um, is, do all our kids have cell phones? Do they all have access to technology? That's the other assumption. We assume that they all have cell phones. We assume that they all have Wi-Fi at home. Um, and that is not always the case. I mean, when you consider, um, you know, with COVID, um, we, uh, as Pinellas County Schools, we decided that we needed to make sure that our kids had um, laptops. And so uh, last year with COVID happening, we uh, made sure that all of our kids had, all of our students from fourth to ninth grade had laptops. Um, Going forward um, for next year, we're going to expand that from third to 10th grade. Um, So all of our kids will have those laptops, right? Great. That's fantastic. But just because they have those laptops, like we've been saying, doesn't mean that they can use those laptops. Then when you consider Wi-Fi and internet connection, that's a whole nother bag. So when you, um, you know, do all of our kids have access to internet at home? No, they do not. We saw that last year um, when we all moved to uh, the digital space and learning. So Spectrum last year, uh, you know, met that need and they provided services to our low-income residents. Now, Spectrum's no longer doing that. It's really important, though, um, that we communicate uh, what 
to do now for access. Um, it is important that our families know that um, the federal government has provided a $50 discount to families through the emergency broadband benefit. Um, and those uh, families that are eligible are those that are um, eligible for Medicaid, SNAP, um, free and reduced lunch. Those are the kids that um, can, and families that can be eligible for that emergency broadband benefit. But we need to make sure that our families know that. So that's a really key aspect. We need to make sure that all of our family liaisons at our schools um, know that so that they can communicate that to our families. So that, yes, they have a laptop. Great. But can they um, have internet at home? Do they have that internet access at home? And that's where we need as a community to fill those needs and those gaps. Okay. So <clears throat> hopefully uh, those that are listening and uh, those that are vested in the interests of students and education can help us uh, open up access to everyone. And so um, back to something that you previously said, Kimberly, as you were talking about the skills, right? Just because I can uh, snap, tweet, post, or all those <laughs> other social media things does not mean I can now successfully uh, use technology for education. Can you share some more about uh, that? Um, yeah. Um, if I can back up just a little bit, right? So uh, COVID was kind of a catalyst to realizing that some of our families didn't have access. And so we were quick to, to rectify that situation. Um, but I would argue with some assumptions at play, right? And so we gave out the computers without asking, did they have internet access? But then, you know, found a solution for that. Then the other issue was, okay, well, here's this computer and here's this access, you know, here's the internet for it, but do you know how to use it? Are you comfortable using it? So going back to, you know, the story that I shared about the little girl, did she know how to use that mouse? No. And so we have to be intentional about how we teach it. And I know Renee has a, a great um, resource from Avid. Um, if you want to share that before I go on. Yeah. So um, in Pinellas County Schools, we are an Avid district. And so as an AVID district, AVID stands for Advancement via Individual Determination. And AVID is actually an international program that helps uh, provide support and resources as a um, program and a system to uh, first-generation college students. And so our district has been an AVID district for over 14 years now. And as part as AVID has grown, um, of course, they have created a framework for um, our kiddos and how to use and how to access digital learning. And um, we use this framework in our district, and it is all about scaffolding the skills. So like Kimberly and we've all been talking about, we can't assume that they know how to do it. We can't just say, here's a laptop. We provided it to you. Do your research paper on XYZ. We have to adopt the technology with our kids. We have to make sure that our kids understand the value of that tool and are able to utilize that tool just to, to, for learning. And then after they adopt the tool, then they need to adapt to it. And they, Avid calls us the four A's. So it's adopt, adapt, accelerate, and advocate. And with each one of these, each one of the pieces of this framework, it is gradually releasing 
the uh, responsibility of um, using that technology and gradually uh, releasing the skills that um, are needed to use that technology successfully. And so when we intentionally scaffold the learning for our kids with as it relates to digital learning, and digital and using digital tools, we will see our kids more successful in in realizing um, the potential of that tool and the potential of their own success as well. You know, it's just like um, when you're teaching math and you bring in a new math manipulative, you show them how to use that. You might give them a, a second to play with it and explore it and, you know, hey, what do you think about this tool? But then you're showing them, you know, they stack on top of each other so you can count. And so here's the one-to-one correspondence with it. And so you are breaking it down and teaching them. I'm just not giving my kiddos that set of math manipulatives and say, here, use it. They'll have no idea what to use what, you know, how to use it. You, that all has to be explicitly taught. Same thing in this situation with technology has to be explicitly taught. And then it's, um, doorways into the interactions within the classrooms as well. The only thing I'd like to add to that, Kimberly, is that idea of you mentioned, you know, the anxiety of that five-year-old with the mouse. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that in teaching technology to my parents, um, there's anxiety as well. Um, and that they're afraid that the whole machine's going to blow up. Um, <laughs> so making allowing our kids when we're adopting and adapting, using that using that scaffolding, that we teach them that um, it's okay to make mistakes with this technology, that mm-hmm. the technology will bounce back and will respond to you. And that is only through practice that is guided and mm-hmm. has feedback to it. Wow, okay. So I, I want to shift the conversation just a little bit because we're focusing on how uh, tech about the technology and making sure we teach kids the skills to use the technology and not assuming that they all have access to technology. I, w- I want to now sort of look at the equity mm-hmm. that uh, data and research has told us that needs to be present in our classrooms for our students to be successful. How can technology assist teachers in building an equitable classroom? Yeah, well, even if you look um, at our multilingual speakers um, and translation services, right? So uh, we have a high population of um, ESOL students um, in our classrooms across our district. If you just look at the ability to, you know, grab an iPad, um, turn on a translation uh, app service, whatever you you want to call it, you know, then a student can take what the teacher is saying, put it into their home language and really understand and be able to grapple with the content versus grappling with, oh my gosh, what is the teacher saying and what is the content? And so there's there's dueling things happening when we don't use those services. But we can re- remove the barrier of what is being said. What am I ask, being asked of? And then moving to mastery in the Pacific uh, content skill. And then there's opportunity I mentioned just a moment ago about collaboration, being able to connect with each other, um, taking away the bias of of hand raising. Um, If we're crunched for time, sometimes in classes, we look to the student who we think is going to have the right answer, um, you know, in order to save time. I know I've been there. I've done that. (laughs) 
Um, but if we use services or, or apps or platforms like Flipgrid or Padlet or, you know, whatever is out there, then all of our students can answer all of those questions at one time. And then you have the added layer of they're able to process through writing or they're able to then read each other's and continue processing and collaborate, adding on to each other's. And so you have a more authentic learning experience because everyone is hearing the perspective of each person in the room and the voices being honored versus one or two or three. I love that uh, idea of kids, um, all kids being able to have a voice, all kids being able to use, um, like you said, Padlet or Flipgrid and have that um, response to the prompt. And that also provides for visible thinking. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned information processing. Uh, Zaretta Hammond in her book, CRT for um, CRT in the Brain, she talks about how important it is that kids have multiple repetitions of that information. And so like Kimberly said, seeing writing it, seeing somebody else else's writing, and then being able to talk about it mm-hmm. um, really helps provide that equity and that um, equity in voice um, that we really need to see and we really need to have in our classroom in order to provide engagement as well. Yeah, I also think back to when I was in the classroom. I was that that shy person, right, for whatever reason. So I didn't want to raise my hand and share out. If I would have had an app or some some device where I could go to and share my thinking that way, um, I would have been much more engaged in the classroom. And just to answer a little bit more specific to your question with regards to um, how data can help teachers with equity, you know, and when when we're able to use um, the different um, software uh, opportunities um, to look at all of the real data of our kids so that we can equitably look at what their needs are. Um, Going back to our original question is what is the difference between equity and and inequality? Um, One of the important things is knowing what our kids need. And there are a lot of um, software um, that we use in our district that helps um, really pinpoint um, for teachers what our kids need. And so um, it's great that we have those different technology tools as teachers as well. Wow. So great uh, information. Um, I want to give you both a opportunity to share uh, your final thoughts or or what one thing would you want listeners to take away about equity um well i'll i'll veer off from <laughs> from that specific one with summer oh summer's not coming up is it yes yes summer's coming up mm-hmm. <laughs> i think we're in summer yeah mm-hmm. well uh, what I was going to say is, um, you know, not all, not all of our students will, will be in school, whether they choose to go to summer school or, or whatnot. Um, but I was listening a few weeks ago and Rowan had mentioned the apps that are on um, Clever for books. And so that's another access um, that hopefully our, our students are taking advantage of. Um, and so there's a, the, a twofold here why I mentioned this. And I, I love to read. So I love that there's opportunity that I don't have to get in my car and I, I don't have to drive to the library. Like the books are right there in front of me. And also books provide us insight into another person's story. And so, um, me as a, as a white woman, you know, what am I reading? Hopefully I'm, I'm, um, encouraging people to branch out and to read from others' perspectives. And so book, 
books, um, having access to them allow us then to have access into perspectives of other folks. Um, and as educators, that's so important because our kiddos come from um, the community and they experience the community outside of our school building in a very different way sometimes. And so we need to um, be able to join in that process with them. And so reading can, can help close that gap. Thank you. Renee? So I would like to emphasize that as teachers, we have a lot on our plate. And um, I feel like that plate continues to grow. And as a math teacher, I remember um, when I was at Pinellas Park High School being told that I was a reading teacher. Um, And some of our math teachers um, were really upset by that, that idea of, like, I have to teach reading and math. Um, So I'm going to put something else on the plate. (laughs) I'm going to say that all of our teachers also need to teach digital skills. Uh, Because just like reading, digital skills is in our life. Digital skills are not going away. And digital skills are necessary in order to be successful in in our society going forward. So I'm going to invite and hope that all of our teachers recognize that we can't assume that they know how to use the technology and that we, just like we scaffold our content, um, when we're expecting our kids to interact with our digital tools, we also need to scaffold that as well. All right. I want to thank you ladies for joining us. I want to thank our listeners as always. Uh, Coming up in our next episode, we'll be discussing how technology can assist educators in the process of differentiation. My guest will be Nicole De La Meester from the Pinellas County Schools Gifted Department. And that will be our last episode for season one. And so I want to thank again everyone for all their hard work in making this season uh, come together as always share like subscribe thank you mm-hmm.